Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The 2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. It's Wednesday, May 31st, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you this week by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And, Chet, I have a simple question for you to get tonight started. What do the names Bergie, Carmichael, Christensen, Didinger, Fitzke, Green, Goodell, Hairston, Harbaugh, Jaworski, Bob Kelly, LeMaster, Prop, Quick, Sizemore, Riley all have in common. Well, all or most of them are popular ex-Philly athletes, coaches, or media folks. And I'm pretty sure that they'll all be in attendance at June's annual Dick Vermeil golf outing, yes? That's right, Chet. You are right. That's just a partial list of the celebrities that will be attending that Dick Vermeil 25th annual Boy Scout fundraising golf outing in a couple weeks, and there's no better to talk about it than the man behind bringing it all together, our good friend Kevin Riley. Kevin, this is an extremely busy time for you. We appreciate you taking the time to tell us what's going on in your world. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, thank you guys for having me on, and, uh, man, I'm really looking forward to the two of you coming back up for the tournament. This is Coach Vermeil's 25th guy, and that's why today we went over the 50 50- Limit or 50-person celebrity uh, acceptance to come in for the tournament. We have never uh, had over 40, and this year we hit 50. And probably in the next two weeks we'll have a couple more stragglers come in. You know how those guys are a little late getting back to you. But all that being said, I I just got to commend the coach. Uh, 25 years putting his face on a um, a Boy Scout uh, you know tournament to raise funds for them. And we figured out that over the 25 years, he's raised more than $4 million for the uh, uh, Boy Scouts of Chester County. And that's really helped a lot of the underprivileged kids in that area who would not be able, be able to be Boy Scouts uh, if they didn't uh, get, you know, what I call a Boy Scout scholarship, which these, this uh, tournament really helps to provide. So we're excited about it. And I think a lot of the guys are, that are coming in are excited about it and, I think both of you guys saw last year, it's become more than a golf tournament. It's become a reunion. Yeah. Yeah, it sure has. And, you know, we got to meet guys like Bill Berge and Jerry Sizemore and some other legendary Eagles. So that was a lot of fun for us. And we're looking forward to meeting some uh, new friends this year. We can't wait, man. I'm telling you, I'm excited about it. Hey, uh, for any listeners who may not know, by the way, Kevin played for the Eagles in the mid-'70s, as well as for some other team up in New England. And uh, he was a radio co-host for many years for the Eagles pre- and post-game show. 
Kevin, we're going to talk more about the golf outing in a little bit, but uh, let's talk some Eagles right now. This is week two of OTAs or organized training activities for the Eagles. How valuable are OTAs and how different are today's OTAs from the spring camps of your era? Well, I'll tell you, and this is something I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret um, that, you know, is never hardly talked about. And that is the NFL um, Players Association Collective Bargaining Agreement only allows for these teams to practice for 90 minutes come, um, you know, game weeks. And how hard would it be for you as Doug Peterson to teach the basics and get your uh, coaches up to speed and your players up to speed on new offenses and new defenses. And really he's trying to figure out these, you know, coaches that he have, can they coach? Uh, Will they be able to do the job in Philadelphia, a very tough place. And then he's got players to, uh, you know, to assess what their talent is. And he goes up against some of the coaches that have been in the league five, six, seven years. And not the least of which is Bill Belichick who can make the most of 90 minutes and not have to go to blocking and tackling and all those things because they've been covered before. You get a guy like Belichick or somebody that's been coaching the same team for five or six years, they're fine-tuning their game plans. They're fine-tuning their scouting reports. And you got a guy like Doug Peterson, who, by the way, is coming to the tournament. you got a guy like him trying to figure it out. And I think he did really well last year at 7-9. and And that's why these OTAs, to answer your question, are so valuable. This is where he can get some of those basics done, get these guys on board with the offenses and defenses. And although there's no hitting, and that really is paramount to seeing what kind of talent you have, you know, you can check out speed. You can check out who's getting the offense. You can check out quickness and things like that. So there is some things physically that that really get done during these things and a lot more mentally. People got all upset last week about the fact that Fletcher Cox wasn't there, Jason Peters wasn't there. Cox came back for this week's, you know, round two. Jason Peters is still a no-show. Does that matter? Does it matter if some of the big-name players don't bother to show up? Well, Cox showed up today. I think it, I think it matters, uh, you know, um, to some of the guys that, um, that don't show up and, and you question, you know, their, uh, their reasoning for it. And, you know um, – a guy like Cox, you know, he, he's been told to go left or go right and go get the quarterback. There's not a whole lot that he has to learn, you know, from from that situation. I think the people that really need to be in camp are the people that need to learn, uh, you know, their steps, their stances, techniques, and especially on offense, the offense. So um, Carson Wentz is is – playing with guys that he's never played before, some new wide receivers. Timing is everything in the NFL. You see these quarterbacks and receivers that have played years and years together. My gosh, they could fall out of bed and complete a pass together because they know each other's move. So it's similar there, and I don't have a problem with with guys like Peters and Cox. They're going to be there when the time comes. And as a matter of fact, I believe sometimes the big guys like that, if you start them too early, they get worn down. And it's a long season to begin with. And if they can uh, save save uh, their legs at this time of year, I think that's that's something you shouldn't worry about. Hey, Kevin, the Eagles spent a lot of time in the offseason on that offensive side of the football with re- wide receivers and running backs and even a lineman. Um, kind of a little bit of a backward approach. Maybe you build the defense first and follow with the offense, but because they have Carson Wentz, they've uh, – 
they've gone offense first and tried to surround him with some talent. How, how do you like the moves that they've made? Well, I think they're good moves. Um, you know, I kept uh, talking to Ray Dittinger last year, and, and he watches a lot of film, and I even watched a couple games over. And, well, I tell you, the Eagles were in a lot of football games, but they made some really, you know, basic mistakes. Some, some would call them rookie mistakes, maybe rookie coach mistakes also included in that. And I don't think that there's any doubt when they go over what happened last year that this team could score. They could score last year, and they didn't even have, in my, in my opinion, a number one wide receiver on the field. And, and that's taken nothing away from Matthews. But on most offenses in the NFL, he'd be the number two guy. By going out and picking up a couple wide receivers, running back is, is something I think they'll still be looking at as, um, as they go down the line. I'm not so sure that Blunt's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, I've never known Bill Belichick to release a guy when he thought he might still have some ability to help him win. I know he scored 18 touchdowns last year, but that was behind an offensive line called the New England Patriots that knew how to bang it in. They've got to protect Carson Wentz. I think they're trying to do that with some of the linemen they picked up. And um, I think that that, I don't think there's any question that the Eagles are going to be able to score. What they have to do is stop the sieve of the defense that was uh, we saw on the field the last eight games last year. Uh, Jim Fuertz, uh, wouldn't um, really go so far to say he's real pleased with what they picked up so far and why they made defense number one because, you know, I think he's right. He says, you know, up until the first game, I can't tell you who's going to be ready to play and who isn't. And we're going to find out with OTAs in the preseason and, and preseason games. And I think that's a good answer to that because there's a lot of potential talent on that team. You know, Cox hadn't played up to his ability last year. You've got, uh, you know, Connor Barwin gone now. I- I'm telling you, this guy, Chris Long, coming in, Howie's son, he's not only going to be uh, an integral part of that defense, uh, he's not an every-down player, but what he will add to the locker room will be immense. He's that type of guy that's uh, got great leadership and a guy you want to follow. So I think they're on the right track, but, you know, I'm a little bit from Missouri here. I'll, 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 I, you know, you've got to show me. And I think that, you know, through the preseason, we're going to find out if the cornerbacks they got can really are really stepping it up. But if they don't get a good defensive line push and put pressure on the quarterback, which just wasn't there last year, um, you could have all pro defensive backs, and they're going to suffer because those um, wide receivers are running around too long. So I agree with their assessment that the defense was the thing that needed to be shored up first. I think they're going to score points. And if they do shore up that defense, you know, you're looking at a better than 500 ball club next year. Kevin, I agree with you, and I, under, I understand what you're saying about Blunt and the fact that Belichick cut a guy who had 18 touchdowns last year. I'm hoping he does have at least one year left in the tank. They signed him to a one-year deal, so uh, hopefully they'll put him to good use in Philly. Now, I want to talk about the draft. I know you can't really judge a draft for two or three years, but what's your initial assessment of the Bird's 2017 draft? You've got uh, an edge rusher in Derek Barnett. Uh, they had a second-round pick, uh, a corner that might not be healthy enough to get on the field this year. What's your initial take on this draft? Well, you know, I, I like the fact that the second-round pick, he might not be on the field next year, but if his Achilles heals, and let me tell you something, I, I can't believe that Hallie Roseman and the Eagles wouldn't have gotten three or four medical opinions on, you know, can he come back at 100% uh, or 99%, um, you know, if, if all things – you know, considered 
And I, there's a risk there, no doubt about it. But just think if he comes back, he was listed in the top 15 guys to be drafted in the first round, and that Achilles put him into this, the second and maybe third if the Eagles didn't pick him up. I like taking risks like that. You're going to pick up a number one draft choice if he's able to play next year. And, you know, I don't think anybody in Philadelphia has any has any uh, bias or um, has any hopes of winning a Super Bowl next year. This is, They're building an organization, and they made great strides last year after Chip Kelly basically dis- disassembled the team. And you've got to take risks like that. And I like the fact that our second-round draft pick uh, may really come and help the team next year. So I like, I like the things they did there. I like the running back they took. Uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, Sproles is going to have uh, – he's got to be diminishing. Uh, he's still a, a heck of a weapon, especially in the slot. But he's not, a, um, an, you know, an all-down all running back. And I, I don't believe they're done at looking at running backs, to tell you the truth. Kevin, I wanted to ask you, back from when you played versus today, you know, these guys, uh, and I don't think it was quite so bad back back in your day, but these guys have everybody in their ear, whether they're college, coming out of college early or they're in pro camps or whatever. You know, I believe there were 48 guys that entered the NFL draft who, uh, who were underclassmen who did not get drafted. And then you have a guy like Marcus Smith uh, who doesn't show up for OTAs I mean, who who is giving this guy such bad advice when he's probably fortunate to be on a team to begin with? Um, do you think that's a lot worse now with these young kids and just people always chirping in their ears? Without a doubt. And, you know, the chirping's gotten earlier and earlier. I never talked to a pro scout until I guess it was after my junior year after the last game that we Villanova played Temple. And on my team in front of me that year was a guy named Mike Ciani and John Babinez. They went one and two. One went in the first round. One went in the second round. Ciani was a first-round pick by the Raiders. Babinez was a second-round pick by the Dallas Cowboys. And there wasn't – I wasn't even thinking too much about pro ball until after – maybe mid mid year junior year when the when the pro when the scouts were coming out to watch these guys and they were seeing me play you know there were no combine then there was just scouting combines that came around and represented teams i didn't get an agent until um i i after my first year and uh i had an assistant coach you know be my agent i think there is a lot of guys in your in your ear and um then there's also i got i got to admit there's there's a big decision to make. If you can get drafted in the NFL in the first three rounds and you're a junior, boy, what are the risks would you take getting hurt your senior year in college and losing the potential at least signing bonus or signing a contract that has some money guaranteed? And when you take a look at some of these guys and some of the you know, poor homes they come from where the money is really needed, you can't blame them from, for coming out early. But as you were talking, our uh, our linebacker friend there, Marcus, uh, he's making a big mistake. Uh, other teams don't like that, uh, and I think that he's um, really following some bad advice there. The Eagles, if he didn't, you know, perform well during the training camp this year, he could have gone in and talked to him about a, a potential trade. By doing what he's doing, he's just trying to get them to release him, and I'll be surprised. Uh, who will try to pick him up. Hey, I'm sure that he thinks he's dead meat in Philadelphia. 
He didn't play under Chip Kelly, which I think was unbelievable. He didn't even get on the field on special teams, which I got to blame that on Chip Kelly. A guy that gets drafted in the first round should be able to go down and make tackles, uh, you know, on the kickoff team. But um, last year, he just looked mediocre to me at best. Uh, at times, he showed, you know, some some uh, signs of uh, potential, and then other times he was getting beat pretty bad in the run game. So I think that's uh, he's a guy that's holding out for another reason. He's not like uh, Peters or Cox. Kevin, the defense has to be better this year. Um, I mean, hopefully Chris Long will help. Hopefully uh, the new defensive end, Derek Barnett, will help. But the cornerbacks, the current starters are Jalen Mills and Patrick Robinson, backed up by Ron Brooks, who's more of a special teams guy, Rasul Douglas now in the mix. Should we worry about that situation? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's, you know, and, and you know, if people keep saying they got to get some defensive backs, where is the store that sells, you know, all pro <laughs> defensive backs? I want to know, you know, um, uh, they're so need it when you the you know the uh, I, I want to say the future of a defensive back coming out of high school okay most of the defensive backs in the NFL right now followed a career path where they were a quarterback a slot receiver or possibly a quick running back in high school then they go to you know the school they want and somebody says we're going to make you a defensive back because you did play that in high school, even though you were better as an offensive receiver. <laughs> and so they are, you know, playing defensive back because they're almost as fast as the purebred wide receivers with the 4-4 four, four speed and the 4-6 speed. So I just see when they get to the pros, you just have um, less talented athletes playing defensive back than you do with the guys that are receiving the football, especially when these guys now are coming out at 6'4", 6'5", 215, 225 pounds, and just front you out of any pass that is thrown high and to their, you know, to the sideline where nobody can get it but them. Great defensive backs are really hard to come by. I think the thing that you got to worry, uh, not worry about, but I think the thing that uh, Jim Swartz has to do is he's got a plethora of backs in camp, cornerbacks in camp. I was just going down the roster. I don't think I've ever seen so many defensive backs, and that includes the safeties in camp. Somewhere along the line, he's got to find some guys that can play together and be consistent. But none of that's going to work well unless they start getting to the quarterback, and that's their bigger problem. Vinny Curry was a big disappointment last year, and I'm not sure why. That was the defense that he played in college. That was the one he said he wanted to play in. And he just didn't show up last year for some reason. So hopefully Barnett will really help them. And, you know, what they love to do with these defensive linemen, they love to platoon them to keep them fresh. And if they can get these guys geared up and Cox can have a good year and Curry can have a good year, Barnett comes through, uh, I think that they've got a, a chance of being a better defense. If that doesn't happen, I think we're in for a long season with defensive backs. Ooh, I hope not. Well, hey, Kevin, before we get to the golf tournament, because we certainly want to talk about that, uh, the last time you were on with us, you told us for the first time about a book you were working on. And Chet and I have probably talked a dozen times ourselves about this book. Uh, how's it going? Is it getting close to finishing up, or what do you got going? You're a busy man. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was with my editor, editor today. Uh, we're meeting with a publisher next week. 
I've got two more chapters to write. And um, I'd say September 1st, we should have a book on the shelves. And that's what I'm hoping for, football wow. season and Christmas time. Wow. And um, um, I've had a couple people. Uh, I'll share with you guys in private when you come to the thing, come to the golf tournament, uh, who I got a basic thumbs up on on the first three quarters of the book. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about the book coming out. The book is, you know, goes through my trials and tribulations, not only um, – you know, playing football, losing my arm and all that. But it's a book about resilience. And I, I really want to help people to tell them that, you know, um, uh, you, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you just sometimes got to grind it out until you get to the next piece where you're successful or you're making money or you're happy or you're peaceful. And that's really what I'm striving to do is to show people that I call it the 4F, faith, family, friends, and fortitude. If you got those four things, you can overcome anything that this world can dish out. And uh, that's kind of the essence of the book. And uh, I'm really, you know, looking forward to it. I get asked about it every time I go to do one of my speeches. And I don't have a book. And everybody says, you have a book, you have a book. So that's what prompted me to do it before I end up six feet under and don't get it done. Hmm. Well, you oh, we are can't wait. We man, can't wait to get it. And- I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, you, you, and I—you know certainly how I feel. You've helped me through some tough times, and, and you know I appreciate that. I can't wait to see the book because uh, your message is out to a lot of people, and uh, it will only get out to more. It's a great thing. The the thing that um, as I have gone through it now, and I, I had to reread our edited edition. I sit back and say, in my very short NFL career. And then, you know, going forward, I have some amazing stories with some amazing people in life. I mean, you'll, you'll be not only talking about Bill Berge, Roman Gabriel, and Don Shula in the book, but, I, you know, I've, I've had uh, running golf tournaments before, been, become friendly with Arnold Palmer and Fuzzy Zeller and some of the stories behind the scenes, you know, that just are incredible. Um, one of the stories that I just got done doing, and I'm, I'm waiting to hear from uh, Jason Stark, as soon as I get off the phone, you guys know who Jason is. He worked for baseball yep. oh, uh, yeah. on, in USA and just one of the best gurus. Well, early on in his career, he came, he was an inquire, a beat writer and, um, you know, for the Phillies. And he would come on my radio show at Stanley's Tavern uh, about once every three weeks to talk about the Phillies. And, you know, then he moved up naturally and he was part of ESPN until just recently. And um, when, I was 12 years after being diagnosed with a desmoid tumor. It's such a rare tumor. It only affects two people in a million that I had never met or never talked to personally a person that had a desmoid tumor. As a matter of fact, I never heard the word desmoid outside of the Sloan Kettering Hospital, which was probably one of two or three places in the world treating desmoid tumors. So you can imagine one night, 12 years after my operation, it's in 1991, and um, I'm sitting uh, watching TV at night. My kids and my wife are in bed, and I'm flicking through the channels. It's about quarter of 11, and I see Larry King, and I want to see who his guest is. And his guest is Dave Dravecki. And I go, holy mm-hmm. And it was just after Dravecki had broke his arm on the mound. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, yeah. He was oh, making yeah. a comeback yep. after cancer, and he threw a ball, and his arm broke on the mound. 
I remember yeah, he was on Larry King, and I, you know, he was talking about he was getting ready to have it operated on for one final time, and he had talked about this cancerous tumor that had surrounded the bone and choked it off so bad that when he threw a curveball, it snapped the bone between his shoulder and his elbow. And I'm thinking in my mind, you know, I wonder if it, I wonder if he got that checked for a desmoid. Nah, there's no way. What are the odds? So at the very end, Larry King asked him, now this isn't, you know, a very um, a normal cancer, is it? It's kind of a rare cancer. He said, yeah, it's called a desmoid. Well, I think my neighbors heard me shout when I jumped out of my couch. I mean, what are the chances of the first person that I know or, or know of and, and talk to is another professional athlete that has this disease? So I could hardly sleep that night on a mission. I have to get in touch with this guy. I got to tell him about my doctor who knows more about this disease than anybody in the world. I got to tell him about Sloan Kettering. I got to get him to the right place. And I, I started calling the San Francisco Giants. They gave me information, but I couldn't get through to anybody. So, being creative as I was from my Xerox experience, I called my friend Dallas Green. Dallas assured me he had contacts and would get back to me in 48 hours. He gets back to me. He says, Riles, I tried my best. It's not the Giants. He said, Vecchi's family has circled the wagons. They're not letting him take any calls, and they're not taking any calls. Oh, boy. Hmm. And now I'm down to about four days, and I'm – I'm not panicking, but this is just so frustrating. God, I would have died to have to talk to somebody who had been through this operation, and he was going to have the same operation I'd had. It's called a four-quarter operation. They removed his left arm, his shoulder, and four ribs, exactly the same as mine. Very drastic operation, but you have to get margins in order to beat this disease. So I called on a whim. I said, what's the chances maybe Jason Stark might have you know, know somebody in the family. So I called Jason. I explained it to him. Well, boy, he went on a mission. I'll, I'll, I'm going to get to him. I mean, he, he was excited about, hey, you guys going to give me the story after this? I said, absolutely. You know, I mean, but get in touch with him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got to. Well, he calls me back the next day, frustrated, can't get through, calls me back the next day. Actually, I would say a little ticked off that he couldn't get through. And so he... <clears throat> He says, I'm going to keep trying. I said, well, good luck. I said, he, he, his operation's in two days. I just hope and pray he's at the right place. The next day, I mean, the next, that, that morning when I woke up on my answering machine, because there was no cell phones then, he says, um, pick up a copy of USA Today. Check out the sports section. I pick up a copy of USA Today, and his column has a headline in it that says, Dave Dravecki, Kevin Riley wants to talk to you. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and within, I'd say, about three hours, I got a call from Dave's dad. He was in getting uh, pre-tests done for the operation. He wasn't slow in Kettering. And the doctor that was operating on was mentored by my doctor. He was in the right place with the right guy. And I said uh, to his dad, have him call me when he's able now, my operation was 11 and a half hours. There was no laser technology. It was all knives and forks and saws, and his was, his was three and a half hours. And wow. um, he, uh, he called me. I was really surprised to hear from him so early, and then I found out why. And um, we kept in touch 
uh, I guess, the whole first year. And then I lost touch with him, and I'm just trying to reestablish that now because I want to go through this piece with him on, on the chapter. I want to make sure everybody is, is uh, you know, copacetic with what I'm saying and doing. But that's just one of the little stories that has happened to me in my life, and I've been so blessed by God to be touching the right people at the right time. It's just been amazing. And I look at this thing and I go, gosh, this is better than I thought it was going to be. So I guess the, the final judgment on that will be the readers, and we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm a little bit excited about it. As well, you Kevin, you be, certainly have a lot of awesome. great material for a book, and we just can't wait. And uh, you're right about Jason Stark. What a great guy. We had him on the show two months ago. And, you know, he's a busy guy, but he kept at it with me to make sure we got the interview done. And then I met him in person last week in Philly and had a nice chat with him. So uh, great guy for sure. Hey, uh, before great we let guy, you go, Kevin, uh, we have the – we have the golf outing coming up on June 20th. Uh, just tell everybody how they can register if they want to come for the dinner and, uh, you know, just anything you can tell us about the June 20th golf event. Yeah, the, the dinner is still got – we still have a few tickets left for the dinner, and it's going to be under a big tent this year. You guys remember how crowded we were in that conference room, and now yep. that we have even more people coming. So if you go on to um, – if you, if you Google Chester County Boy Scouts of America, you'll get a website that will drive you toward the Dick Vermeil Golf Tournament. And uh, there's still some tickets available. We are sold out on foursomes. Um, I got 50 celebrities. I got to find out what to do with 12 of them during the day who won't be playing golf. The Tommy <laughs> Lukens, Jerry Sizemore, and, and Bill Bradley's of the world. I, I might have to get a police officer to watch them because they could still get in trouble, those guys. <laughs> Well, Chet and I can take them to a local pub if you need that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't need to <laughs> there do you that. Go. They, they, they have uh, – I've been um, talking to the general manager, and he's assigning two waitresses to wait on all, them all day so they don't bother anybody else. But if you <laughs> nice. guys are around and you hang out with them, you'll get some tremendous stories. Some of them you'll never be able to tell in the air, but right. they're still tremendous <laughs> funny stories. <laughs> we look forward. Well, we to had it. a great time with Bill Bradley last year. He told his uh, his crazy statue story, and then we had him on the on the show, and he told that to the listeners. It just crazy stuff. He, you know, uh, he is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met in my life. Um, there's a book out called "The Kids Got It Right," and he was the main conduit with getting college football to accept black athletes as football players in the South. And it all has to do with a high school all-star game between Texas and Pennsylvania, the big 33. And they had to, um, for the first time, Texas brought up three um, African-American athletes and two of them had no problem rooming together, but they wondered who they were going to stick the third guy with. And the rest is history. Billy said, they asked him if he would mind, you know, rooming with a black athlete. And Billy asked, Asked him, is he a football player? And they said, yeah. He said, nope. If he's one of my guys, he's welcome. And it kind of opened the floodgates uh, for those athletes to be accepted going forward. Um, it's a tremendous book, and Billy never told a soul about it. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but he is, he is a great guy. I had so much fun with him when we were playing. We were both single, and I don't have to tell you any more about that. We were, we were out in the town of <laughs> Philadelphia just having a ball. Just having a ball. Uh, well, hey, I wanted to say uh, on the list that we have uh, that I guess isn't available to the public right yet, but I thought it was interesting that some of those guests that are going to be there, uh, 
Carl Peterson is coming. Um, Trent Green is coming. Ricky Prohl, London Fletcher. I mean, guys that are just coming, I guess, out of respect for Coach. Without a doubt. And they're all paying their own way in. How about that? Wow. Wow. They're all paying their own way in. We're helping them out with accommodations, but, you know, some of them are flying in you know, from way far away to, to come and be there because the coach means that much to him. That's awesome. Well, we told you we were going to supply a, a, a prize to give away, and we are going to do that. We'll have it out there to your to your girls, and uh, we'll, we'll get every or you guys will get everybody to sign that and auction it off. It should be a lot of fun. Well, there we go. We appreciate your help and look forward to seeing you guys in a couple weeks. Okay, Kevin. Hey, we appreciate you and uh, can't wait for the book and can't wait to see you. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, my man. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, Bill, you know it. June is a busy month at the Irish Rover Station House, an awesome bar and restaurant in Langhorn, Bucks County. One of my favorite places, thanks to its terrific atmosphere, spacious dining area, including an outdoor patio, daily food and drink specials, and beer specials for all Phillies games. A real highlight coming up, the Rover's fifth annual Father's Day car show on Sunday the 18th. Bring the whole family for a great day with Dad. Proceeds benefiting the Bucks County Community Foundation. Dash plaques for all participants. I love this place. I was there last week it's the irish rover station house on bellevue avenue in langhorn check them out on the web at irish rover station house.com i was going to say i saw some pictures of the uh Tichesco clan over there looked like a uh, good time was had by all oh yeah we had a good time as always all right well hey let's welcome our second guest of the night to the show steve swickowitz aka swit as he's more commonly known Swit, first of all, thanks for setting up Bill Barber to come on the show with us. What a class act Billy is. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, Bill is one of my newer clients. I just started working with him in February, and uh, we've uh, been hitting it off. We have a great business relationship with Billy Barber, and uh, we uh, had him booked in February for a signing, and, and then we'll get to it in a little bit, but we have him coming up uh, for another one uh, in the next couple of weeks. so But that's been a great working relationship, and it's been my pleasure to uh, hook you up with him. Yeah, what a great guy he is. Yeah, we'll get the details on that in just a few minutes. But, uh, Swit, you told us in the past you grew up as a Steelers fan, so does that mean you're rooting for those evil Penguins, too, in the Cup Finals against Nashville? No, not necessarily. I mean, when I looked at the Finals and – I go based on the hot goaltender in the playoffs and Pekka Rene from Nashville has been standing out above and above and be all. And I was actually talking to a couple of close friends of mine. And I said, Nashville's going to the finals, even in the first round, because he just, he just been standing out. Now, work cut out for him against Pittsburgh. Uh, the answer to your question is no, I'm not rooting for Pittsburgh. Um, I'm rooting for a, a good series, uh, but I actually am on record talking to a few close friends that, I, th- I think Nashville's going to win this series, and if they can uh, get tonight's game, uh, go back to Nashville, tie it a game of peace, I think they can pull it off. Rooting for that Peter Laviolette, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, Lavi, it'd be good to see Lavi get another cup. Hey, Sweet, in that game the other night, kind of interesting. Uh, the Penguins only had 12 shots on goal in that game and, and ended up with five goals, including an empty netter. But, boy, there was a – there was a kind of a real questionable call early in the game that took a Nashville goal off the board that, uh, boy, if, even if you watched it a hundred times, that thing could have gone either way. And they, uh, it went the Penguins way and it sure swung the momentum of the game. 
Yeah, I, I know what you're referencing. Uh, I did not see the game, but I heard about. I believe someone had a foot in the crease. Is that right? Well, it was a, it was on, at on the, the blue goal, line. The blue they, line. they called on it the off sides um, after they reviewed it. They called it on sides, and they went in and scored. And it was one of those skate play drag deals, and they showed it a hundred times, and you couldn't tell one way or the other. If they'd have called it off sides to begin with. You'd have said, okay. They called it onsides, and you said, okay, one of those deals. Yeah, that's the thing about replay, too, like whether hockey or baseball. You know, they got to go with the – if there's not a conclusive, you know, verdict, they got to go with, with the call on the ice. So, But, yeah, that, that's, those things happen in sports, again, whether it's hockey or baseball. And, you know, uh, it, I don't think it really – I don't think it really cost uh, Nashville. Uh, they, they did come back and from a three-goal deficit and – just couldn't get it done at the end. But Pittsburgh's tough. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, playoff tested, uh, obviously coming off the cup win last year. So Nashville's going to have to be at their best aside from the goaltending. But, again, I think they could still get it done. I think the goaltending can carry them one more series. Swit, I want to turn our attention to the Flyers. As you know, they missed the playoffs this past season, year two of the Dave Hackstall era. I want to know, do you still have faith in Hackstall and Hextall, and do they have – you know, enough to turn things around in the year ahead. They do have a lot of well-regarded prospects and the number two pick in the June draft. So can they get back on track quickly? Well, to answer the first part of your question, I have confidence in Hextall. I think because he had to clean up so much of Holmgren's mess from when he, when he first stepped in with the salary cap, and he had very little salary cap to work with, I think he's been doing the best he could. Has he done a perfect job? The answer is no. But I think he's doing the best he can. Now, they just signed Oscar Lindblom, a, uh, their, I think their 2014 uh, fifth-round draft pick just the other day. Uh, he's a, a big left winger. Now, the only question with him is if he's going to start with, at the Phantoms or if he's going to uh, start with the big club. That's to be seen. But uh, Hextall, I'm, I'm still having some patience with him. Uh, Hextall, I don't know in all honesty there's something with me that just does not click with him uh, I think he will be on a short leash when the season starts and I don't see him being fired three games into the season uh, like one of our past coaches were but I think uh, I think he gets 15-20 games to see uh, what he can do and if the Flyers start out slow it would not surprise me to see them uh, pull the trigger on Hackstall and bring someone else in all right we shall see all right, as we mentioned at the top of your uh, visit with us, we had Bill Barber on with us a few weeks back, thanks in large part to your help, Swit. What a great uh, time that was talking to Bill Barber. And you've got a big event coming up with him pretty soon. Uh, tell us about that and what else you have on tap this summer. Real quickly, we have uh, four events coming up. The most recently, as you said, is, is Bill. Uh, Bill will be signing at Popple Sports Card, Sports Autographs, and collectibles at the Plymouth Meeting Mall. That'll be Saturday, June the 10th, and Bill will be there from 1 to 2 o'clock. The autographs are $20 per person, per autograph, which is a very good price. Anyone wanting information or to purchase tickets can go to popple.com. That's P-O-P-P-E-L.com. They will be having some other autographs, get, autograph guests there. I know Bernie Perron will be there. Reggie Leach will be there. But if you go to popple.com, you can – Check out the prices on those players as well and also the times. And how about uh, future signings? 
Yeah, sure. Um, another one I have coming up, it's a private signing with Dave the Hammer Schultz. Uh, that'll, that's in partnership with Best Authentics uh, out in the Harrisburg area, and their website is sportscharityauctions.com. Uh, good group right there. We're going to be doing a private signing sometime this month. So if anybody, any of your listeners, go to sportscharityauctions.com. Uh, they can uh, see about purchasing uh, autographs. Uh, of Dave the Hammer Schultz, I, I believe the majority of those will be uh, signed jerseys, which uh, Dave rarely likes to sign, but uh, we we agreed, or he agreed uh, to do a number of them uh, for for Darren Backhouse and the folks at Best Authentics. And then uh, in August, uh, Bill Berge, Eagle Great, will be at the Wildwood Convention Center Saturday, August the 26th. Uh, Bill will be signing uh, in the afternoon. He is scheduled from 12 to uh, 1 o'clock, Wildwood Convention Center. And for tickets on that one, you can go to rksportspromotions.com. I'm not sure on the ticket prices on those, but if you go to that website, rksportspromotions.com, get all the information on there. And then looking ahead to September, which seems like a long time away yet, uh, Blair Thomas, former Penn State great, will be part of a collage of signers at the Philadelphia Sports Card Memorabilia Show. That'll be Saturday, September the 23rd. Blair will be signing from 12 to 1 o'clock. phillyshow.com is where you can go to check out the other signers. Uh, I believe Darren Sproles is scheduled. Roy Halliday, uh, you mentioned um, our friend, friend Bill Bradley will be there as well. And so that should be a good event. But that's a three-day event. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But, again, Blair will be there Saturday, September the 23rd from 12 to 1 o'clock, and tickets on Blair are $15 per person or per autograph. Very right. good. Thanks, You're Swit. a busy man, Swit. Hey, we, uh, we're going to have to run, but thanks for joining us. Good luck with your signings, and especially to Bill Barbrook one coming up. And I guess we will see you June 20th at the Vermeil Golf Alley? Yes, I will be there. I will be volunteering uh, for – for Coach Vermeil, as I have a number of times in the past, so that just came to fruition uh, a couple of days ago, actually. But I was going to be there one way or the other. But I'll be on the course and uh, giving my all for the coach. All right, sweet. Well, hey, good luck. You, appreciate appreciate again you getting Billy lined up for us, and uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, stay in touch, guys. All right, my man. Right, thanks, Whit. Talk to you. Hey, Chet, I'm just going to leave this right here for you. Okay, let's talk Phillies. Time's yours. <laughs> Trying to get me all riled up, huh, Bill? All right. <laughs> Remember in late April when the, the Phillies won six in a row to improve to 11-9? and nine? And we on this show were actually asking one another if they could keep it up and maybe do even better than 500 for the season. Well, since that time in late April, the Phillies have gone 6-25. and 25. They have lost 10 straight series. That's tough to do. They're 17-34 and 34 on the season now, meaning they're on pace for a 54-win, 108-loss season. Yikes. They just finished a series against a not-real-good Marlins team down in Miami, and not only did they get swept, the Marlins outscored the Phillies 21-5 over the three routes. The Phillies didn't score more than one run in any inning of that series. Now check this out, courtesy Scott Fransky. Over the last 12 games covering 110 innings, the Phillies led at the end of just six of those 110 innings played. That is hard to fathom. They were outscored in the month of May 163-99 to over 31 games. 
There have been whispers that two of the key pieces of this year's team, Michael Franco and Odubel Herrera, could be sent down to AAA Lehigh Valley, although GM Matt Clintock denied that today. The starting pitchers rarely go more than five innings. The last couple of games, they didn't go beyond the third inning. How did this team that won 71 games last year and on paper seemed to be more talented this year get so bad? Heck, awful over the past month or so. Pete McCannon doesn't seem to have the answer, and neither do I. But I'll tell you this, that team is just horrendous right now. You want to talk Phil's? There you go. That's all I have to say. Well, I'm going to I'm going to throw a couple more things in there at you. you those 12 games that okay. Pransky referenced, I didn't know you were going to come up with that because I was already looking at this and was going to run this by you. Listen to these numbers, Chet. You know I'm a numbers guy. Three, yep. zero, one, two, 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 four, four, one, two, two. That's how many runs they've scored. You ain't beating anybody <laughs> when, when you're scoring two, two, two. And they actually did win one of those games two to one. But you aren't going to yeah. win. Well, starting, you can't hit. Beyond You've that got, one game, right. starting pitching's been pretty bad other than that game. It's just bad starting well, yeah. pitching lately. Yeah, well, if you look at just the last four games, as you mentioned, they gave up eight, four, seven, and ten runs in those games just this week. I mean, it's awful. You've got uh, you've got Galvis, or uh, well, Galvis is dropping like a rock too. He's back in the mid two twenties. But you got uh, Franco and Herrera hitting at about two sixteen. Um, Hernandez, who was was kind of hot, he's, he's back in the two sixties. He's terrible. They're terrible. And I tell you what, I don't know where you start. I mean, you can't blow this whole thing up all at one time, but the best place to start would be taking 7 and 37 and sending them to Lehigh Valley. That'll get some people's attention. Yeah, it would, although Clentex said it's not going to happen. They still have faith in these guys, but, man, another week or two of this, and somebody's head's going to roll. It might be, you know, the pitching coach. It might be, I don't know, somebody, but they've got to make some kind of changes, make some kind of a statement. You can't have this go on forever. No, well, and, and you know, I was looking today. You know, they brought that Jenmar Gomez in today to pitch. Uh, I guess he was as the third pitcher, and he gave up a ton of runs. His ERA is is over nine. And, you know, that started at about September of last year, if you remember. He was pitching real well. The, the bottom yeah. fell out in September, and he has not recovered. And if you look at September and now, shoot, his ERA is probably over ten. Uh, yeah, goodbye, Jenmar. Get, get rid of him. Yeah, and you and you make a roster move, and you bring up a guy from Double A. You throw him in, and he gets his lights lit today too. Uh, and I was going to watch the game today a little bit. I got in a little late. And I looked on my phone and saw it was already three nothing in the first inning. I never, never pushed the button. Never watched it. Yeah, you didn't miss much, believe me. I listened on the radio driving on the New Jersey Turnpike, and it was pretty ugly. Well, I don't know the answer. You know, trying to depend on. Uh, on a better schedule, well, that that's not the answer. San Francisco and Atlanta and St. Louis and Boston coming up, you know, they're they're not going to win those games. No, uh, and, and you know the Marlins looked like a beatable team, and they just crushed the Phillies. So I don't know. I don't. I've never seen a stretch this bad. Uh, our buddy Frank Fitzpatrick wrote about the '61 Phillies, how they lost 23 in a row. This is starting to feel like that kind of you know time period where you just expect them to lose and get blown out every time they go out there. So I hope it doesn't come to that. I mean, I still think that they have some talent that they could you know maybe 
get back on maybe not you know com- competitively, but at least get back to within ten games of five hundred or something. But boy, it's not looking good right now. No, it's not. Well, hey, uh, you're going to have to run out early, and we're going to get to your parting shot before I finish up. But I do want to get a prediction from you real quick on the series that starts tomorrow night, Golden State, Cleveland. Are you going to watch that, and who's going to win? Yeah, I'm going to watch it because I watched the last two NBA finals, and they were both pretty darn good, especially last year. Now, we'll have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure I called it correctly the last two seasons with this finals matchup, the Warriors in 2015, and then in a mini upset, the Cavs last year. What a great finals that was, the Cavs comeback from three games to one down last year. Hoping for a great battle this time around, Cavs-Warriors three. And my prediction this year, Warriors in six. The revenge factor, and I just think they have too much talent. LeBron's going to have a say in all this, of course, but... I think the Warriors just have too much talent right now, and they've been just on a roll throughout the uh, NBA playoffs. Well, we'll see. I'm going to go Cavaliers again. Just Until just they stop doing. LeBron, okay. we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. Hey, All right. Uh, as I mentioned, you have to jump out of here a little early for an appointment. So uh, do you have a parting shot you'd like to share before you go? Yeah, I do, actually, Bill. The Memorial Day weekend is a time to remember and honor military members lost while serving in our great nation's armed services. Most of us did just that over the long holiday weekend, a weekend that also saw us lose three legends. Friday night, Hall of Fame pitcher and former U.S. Senator Jim Bunning died at the age of 85. I know you were a big fan of Bunning. In addition to his many years as a politician, Bunning will be forever remembered for his 1964 Father's Day perfect game against the Mets. He won 224 games during his 17 big league seasons, 89 of those victories coming during two stints, six seasons total with the Phillies. His number 14 is one of five numbers retired by the Phils. I was at a party Saturday afternoon when the news broke that maybe the best blues rock singer of our generation, Greg Allman, had died. Almond Brothers songs like Midnight Rider, Whipping Post, Statesboro Blues, and my personal favorite, One Way Out, are Southern rock classics. And I'll never get tired of hearing any of those great tunes. Almond, who had liver cancer and other health issues in recent years, was 69. On Monday, the sports journalism world lost one of the finest writers of the last 50 years when Frank DeFord passed away at the age of 78. As one obit I read on Monday put it, DeFord's stories helped raise sports writing from the Daily Chronicle of victory and defeat to something with more literary ambition. Frank DeFord wrote for Sports Illustrated from the 1960s through the 1980s, did weekly commentaries on NPR for 37 years, and was a regular contributor to HBO's Real Sports the past two decades. I loved his pieces on there. At a 2013 White House ceremony, President Obama presented DeFord with the National Humanities Medal, the first time that award was given to a sports writer. Jim Bunning, Greg Allman, Frank DeFord, rest in peace and thanks for the memories. Very good. And Mr. Chesko, thank you for the memories tonight. You've got to go. I've got some announcements and uh, information to pass out, so we will catch up with you later. Get where you got to go. All right. Thank you, and I'll, I'll be in touch, Bill. Take care. All right. And all right, for the listeners, we want to again thank each and every one of you that visits our phillypressboxradio.com. We continue to keep it updated with articles from our local papers, a few that we write. You can listen to all of our shows and also the Vimeos from our show guest. Chet did a great one on Leslie Goodell the other day from last week's show. We even have a photo session, a list of websites of our guests. 
and check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Lulu Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAids.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their website. And Chet, uh, Chet will be off next week for some family time, so I've got a little different something planned. We've got to have two guests. We're not only going to talk the state of Philly sports, but we're going to talk memorabilia and collecting with Carl Henderson, the owner of Carl's Cards and Collectibles, and Bill Mattis, the owner of All-Star Inc. Of course, Carl has his store with regular signings by pro athletes, and Bill is an agent for signings just like uh, Switch just mentioned, and he's worked with some Hall of Famers like Jim Bunning, Paul Horning, and Gail Sayers. Uh, we'll certainly get some of those stories as well. It's going to be a lot of fun with two passionate sports fans who also know the business. Also wanted to um, follow up to our earlier discussion with Kevin Riley. I have the information on how you can attend the 25th annual Dick Vermeil Boy Scout Golf Outing at Downingtown Country Club. For those that are interested, drop me a private Facebook message, and I'll get that information to you. Just for the dinner and auction, which are both great, it's $100. The celebrity guest list is near 50. Vermeil era eagles, all are very approachable for conversation or autographs. This auction, the auction items are great as well. As we get to the end of the hour, we'd like to thank our special guests, Kevin Riley and Steve Swickowitz, Irish Rover Station House, LuLaRoe, Taylor and & Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June 7th at 7 p.m., when Carl Henderson and Bill Mattis join us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 